your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Retirement Pathfinder. I am Ben George, sitting in for Walter Storholt today, and joined as always by Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane of Pathfinder Wealth Management. Thanks for having me on, guys. I feel honored to be on the podcast with you for the first time. Well, it's good to have you. Thanks, Ben. We yeah. Are, and you know something, Ben? We are stoked at this end because the Packers beat the Bears, and no one expected that last Thursday. So <laughs> we're uh, Phil and I are two Packer fans. I know we live in the state of Illinois, but we are big Packer fans. So that was an excellent game, and we just had to remind the Bears now that at least <laughs> this year the Packers do have a defense, too. Yeah, how about that? I mean, that, right. it must feel good for you guys to have those bragging rights around town when when something like that happens. Oh, yeah, we, we're the yeah. only two uh, <laughs> Packers fans in Rockford. We want you to know that, but <laughs> but we are representing the Green Bay Packers. And anytime I go home to a uh, family reunion or something, I have to stay pretty quiet. Otherwise, uh, I'm in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, that's a great start for your team, and uh, I'm excited, too, that football's back. So that's something we can all agree on, no matter who we pull for. Good to have the sport back up and running again. Today's show, we've got uh, a couple interesting things we'll get into, and they all relate to the market and what the next market crash might look like. It's a conversation that a lot of people are having right now, a lot of speculation. And really, honestly, it's a conversation that kind of cycles up every so often. As, as the market goes up, people are waiting for that next downturn. And, and that's something that's really kind of reared its head recently. And we're going to discuss that a little bit and get some thoughts from both Phil and Barbara. But let me remind you first, though, both are retirement income planning specialists at Pathfinder Wealth Management and serve the Rockford area, as they just mentioned. You can find them online at pathfinderwealth.com. So let's get started on today's topic. And just to give you a little context of why we chose this with the market crash, you know, some people think that next market crash might be coming soon. Others predict that we're just due for a minor correction. Another camp thinks we'll continue an upward trend. I mean, there's a lot of different ways we're thinking about this. We don't know who's right and who's wrong or when these things will occur. So let's talk about what it might look like when it does come, even if we don't know the time frame. So let's start off with this one. It's inevitable that people are going to ask you all the time when the next market crash is coming. So how do you guys respond to that when you hear that question? Yeah, Ben, I'll, I'll take that one. To attempt to tell you when the next market crash will occur would be very irresponsible. It's just irresponsible speculation on my part to weigh in. In fact, I might be uh, subject to some personal liability if I do so. Uh, <laughs> Any one of us can be have a 50-50 chance of guessing right about when that might occur, when it might happen. So let me be 100% right about when it may occur. Okay, It will occur. And I don't know when it's going to occur, but it will occur. So let's talk about what, I, what we do know to be true. Between 1900 and 2018, there have been 33 bear markets. This is when the stock market as measured by the S&P 500 or the Dow has decreased in value by 20% or more over a period of at least two months or more. You know, that's an average uh, benefit once every 3.5 years. And that's what we call the Wall Street Walls. In other words, we take three steps forward and one step backwards. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes it's just think about that in your mind. It's like Wall Street waltz, people, you know, kind of dancing on the dance floor. 
you know, go three steps forward, one step back. Sometimes these market crashes are followed by what is known as an extended bear market. An example of this would be um, back in 2000 and 2002, uh, there was a 49% drop between March and uh, October of that period of time. There was another 50% drop during the 17-month period of time between 2007 and 2009. That's probably uh, greater in, in people's recent memory. But crashes or bear market cycles are usually preceded by investors' widespread negative statements or a sluggish economy. I mean, they just don't think very positively about the stock market during those times. In fact, sometimes it's event-driven. So in the event that happened between 2000 and 2002, we experienced what I consider the perfect economic storm. We had a technology bubble that burst during that time. We had 9-11 and the failure of large companies like Enron and other well-established companies. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the bad news. Now, here's the good news. Historically, bear markets have been followed by robust recoveries. Since we don't know when a crash will come or how long it will take to recover, we must always plan for a worst-case scenario. And so we do this by structuring a portfolio and an income that will be produced by something called a probability simulation or a Monte Carlo model. The Monte Carlo model will take in consideration all the best case and worst case examples in order to sustain income and retirement during these down cycles, during these bear market cycles. This modeling will lead us to the portfolio that has a high probability of sustaining an income during those periods of time. Well, I think too, Phil, it just gets back to long-term goals, right? People have to have long-term goals when they invest because the stock market is inevitable that it's going to drop, but no one can predict it. And so many people focus on the market today or yesterday or what's going to happen next week. The market is random and news is random and uh, news is going to move the stock market. So it's like we tell our clients, limit your access to the news because it's just <laughs> a scare tactic. That's great yeah, advice. I, yeah. The, the other thing that I was going to say, I was going to add to this was that, you know, the, the government does much to create situations where we have either positive or negative responses in the market. One of the biggest factors is what the Fed does. And a, a perfect example of that would be last December, the Fed decided that they wanted to raise interest rates a tad more than they were predicted to have done. Well, that precipitated a 9% drop in the stock market during that one month loan. In fact, it was the worst one month drop since the Great Depression. And so the markets are very sensitive to what the government does. If the government raises taxes at the wrong time or interest rates at the wrong time or what is perceived to be the wrong time, it really can shake the market. People become fearful and they either buy or they sell based on that information that comes in from the government. So that is a little bit of a barometer of what happens from time to time. You think about it too, though, Phil, then the 2019 started out very strong. It did. It did. We've yeah. had one of the best recoveries yeah. yeah, since January 1st that we've had for many years. Exactly right. Yeah, it has been a very good year so far. I think people, I think that's also why people may be having this discussion a little bit is things have been really good. So when, when is it going to all go bad again for us? But I know the biggest thing that people talk about is we think back just over a decade ago to 2008. That's the kind of the benchmark that everybody looks to and wants to compare to. So when this next downturn does happen, as we know, it's going to at some point, do you think it will be as severe as that crash in 2008? Well, let's see. I'll take that one, Ben. You know, that was the worst economic disaster since the Great Depression in 1929. So despite of the Federal Reserve's and the Treasury Department's efforts, we had a bailout. We had housing prices that plunged. We had banking concerns at that time. So there was a number of events that were happening all at once. So the good news is that the next recession would be about half as bad and likely confined to a single event, like Phil was saying, rather than all of the 2008 combined issues. 
our economy is on the brink of the longest lasting period of growth ever. But many are still talking about a recession. So you may have heard about something called the Rorschach test. It's an ink blot test and, and everyone sees something different. And the theory behind it is that it's a tunnel into someone's subconscious thoughts, where you're at at the mind, uh, it, where your mind is at, at the time, you know, maybe your occupation, but everyone sees something a little bit differently. Well, this may be similar to what people are thinking today. If you're searching for something that's going to agree with what you're reading or hearing or interpreting, you'll find it. We have one group, for instance, about Trump's tariffs slowing the economy, so then they're going to search for evidence to support that. And then we've got a second group, and those who oppose all of President Trump's policies in general, so they're going to look for ineffectiveness of the tax cuts, of deregulation, they're going to look for anything that's going to support weak business investment. And then the last group has been obsessing about a recession since the last one ended, and they're expecting the sugar highs, if you will, in the market to end. So let's just talk about those. First of all, the tariffs and slowing of the economy. Well, Uncertainty is one thing, but data is quite another. So I've got some statistics here for our listeners, and this might be worth writing down if you're our clients or if you're just listeners. And this information is from Brian Westbury. He's a chief economist at First Trust. So the total U.S. trade in, in goods and services was $4.9 trillion in 2016. In the past 12 months, it's been $5.7 trillion, an increase of about 16.3%. Yes, so far this year, U.S. imports from China are down about 12%, but during the same period from Vietnam are up 33%, they're up 20% from Taiwan, they're up 9.8% from South Korea, up almost 10% from India, up 6% from Mexico. So trade is moving forward. It is not dying. And then when we talk about President Trump's policies, well, since the tax cuts in 2017 was enacted, business investment in equipment and intellectual property has grown by, by 4.5%. Productivity growth has grown since 2018, so far at a 2.9% rate versus nine-tenths of a percent annualized ending in 2016. So 2.9% this year so far, productivity growth rate, nine-tenths of a percent annualized ending in 2016. So the manufacturing has dropped, but we've got the larger sector, which is the service sector, which is up. The point here is that for every negative data point that looks to be a slowdown, there are nine that don't. So if we go back to the, the Rorschach test, if you want to find news to support what you think and believe, you'll find it. But instead, I would encourage our readers and our clients to search for data, search for the truth, not just news. Well, I, I think that's exactly right, Barb. In fact, one of the things that uh, we warn our clients about is, you know, don't listen to your mainstream media about what's happening in the economy today, because quite frankly, there is somewhat of a slant. Maybe that's an understatement. But, uh, you know, like Barb said, uh, within the last two months, the big news has been, you know, when is the next recession coming? It looks mm -hmm. like we're heading that way. Watch out for the recession. It's almost like they were hoping that a recession would occur in hopes, you know, that the more they talked about it, the more it would encourage recession. What a terrible thing. There's actually commentaries on talk TV that were um, saying, hey, you know, we hope that a recession occurs so we can vote this particular president out of office. Well, what's that all about? It's not going to help their cause any, and it's certainly not going to cause recession. But, you know, people can be influenced very easily, and we have to be careful with what we listen to in the modern media. Yeah, the market's overvalued. You're hearing that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Market's overvalued. So the S&P 500 in 1999 at the height of the market was 29, and today it's at about a 19. So the market is not overpriced. No, it's not. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point about it. Just, it does seem like sometimes that people are kind of pulling for that to happen, and, and that's unfortunate. So as we continue to discuss 
what that next market crash might look like when it happens. You know, the, the next big question I think is, okay, so we know it's going to happen. We kind of have an idea what it might look like. So how does this affect my portfolio? How should I react? Should I be pulling money out of the market now? Should I wait a little while? What advice would you give people? Yeah, Ben, it's people are often uh, asking us the question, should we pull out? Now, our clients don't really ask that question because they know better. They've been <laughs> taught, they've been educated as far as the buy and hold strategy that we don't jump in and out. But the technique when people do pull out or wait out on the side in the stock market when they get nervous has a name. It's called market timing. And by using this approach, the investor is using a very sophisticated process known as a SWAG, S-W-A-G, and it stands for Scientific Wild-Ass Guess. <laughs> I uh, like of that. course, yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm being facetious <laughs> here, but uh, to attain success using that method, you would need to be right in your timing two ways. First of all, when you try to guess when to get out of the market, take your money out of the market, and then secondly, when to re-enter the market. So you may be correct uh, by sure luck once. But if you continue to do that, market time by going in and out at what you think is the right time, you do it often enough, the percentages of success actually go down and your losses will go up. Financial author Drew Hausman of the Simple Dollar website describes the long-term impact of market timing versus what we call the buy and hold strategy. He says this, he says, using $10,000, you invest in the S&P for a 38-year period of time starting January 1st. 1980. So we look back 38 years. During that time, you buy and hold just the index, just the S&P 500, and you hold it through good times and bad. You don't market time. You don't get in and out. You just hold it. At the end of that period of time, December 31st, 2018, you've accumulated over $700,000. That's incredible. Now, we don't take in consideration in this example fees or taxes. It's just for simplicity. However, he points out that if you were to try to time the market, how much would you lose by missing out on some of the best days in the market. And there are some really good ones out there, okay? Some, there always will be. So in round numbers, here's what you would miss out on. Well, if you were out of the market for just five of the best days, just five, you would have taken a loss of $249,000. If you missed out on 10 of the best days, you would have missed out on another $367,000. How about 30 of the best days? You would have lost out on an additional 573,000. And if you were out of the market for 50 of the best days, $646,000. Incredible wow. how much you would have missed out on by not being in the market. So, when are those best days in the market coming? Well, we don't know. Nobody knows. That's why we buy and hold because then we get all that the market offers, we get all that's available in the market, Ben. And so market timing is just a fool's errand. Don't do it. Don't be caught up in that whole mindset of getting in and out of the market because you'll lose money as time goes on. It's a proven fact. Well, it's like you said too, Phil, you're never right on both sides, getting out right. and then you got to get back in. But we talked to so many people that left the stock market around 2009, right about the time it bottomed out, and people were still getting out of the stock market when it's on its way back up. I mean, probably four or five years later, I was talking to people that were still sitting on the sidelines. But what people have to remember, too, is when you sell those shares, even if it's a partial going to cash, they're gone. They're gone forever. Yeah, they lock so, in their losses at that point. Yeah, you don't have a chance to recoup. All right. So, you know, we kind of know what it's going to look like. You know, you talked about people that pulled out and, and put their money into cash. And you've, we've seen that a lot, especially since 2008. That was a common reaction and a common move for a lot of people that were really fearful. And some people haven't even gotten back out of their cash investments and moved back into the stock market. So as we prepare and think about what the next one might look like, how do you protect clients from that downturn without having them put all their investments into cash? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Well, it gets back to basics of a portfolio design. So first of all, what is the money for? And when will you be accessing it? Is this long-term for all of your retirement years? Or do you, you need short-term, maybe five years? And then a portfolio is designed based on a client's goals. So we're taking into account the volatility and the returns of that portfolio. So in other words, we're expecting the stock market to drop, but we, like everyone else, just doesn't know when that'll be. And you've heard the old saying, never say never, but investing is never short term because if you need the money short term, it could be when the stock market is down and you never base portfolio decisions on what's going on in the economy. Economic news is short term and investing is for the long term. So if and when, I should say when, <laughs> when the market drops, we rebalance your portfolio to stay within your standard deviation or your risk that was associated with our client's portfolios. So if you're a client listening to this podcast and you forgot what your risk number is, then Give your advisor a call and we'll certainly go over that with you because uh, that's very important as far as the portfolio design. But here's the reason that you don't go to cash. Delbar Research is an independent uh, company and they research and they study investor behavior. So over a 20-year period, as Phil had alluded to a little bit with the S&P averages, over a 20-year period, the S&P averages about 10% on an average annual rate of return. And the average investor gets 4%. So why the discrepancy? Well, what Delbar Research has found is that the average investor buys and sells about every 3.2 years. They're never giving their portfolios an opportunity to see the average. The average return of a portfolio is only as good as you being in it. So you have to stay the course. And inflation has averaged about 3%. So you have to do better than inflation. But lastly, our clients know that we do not sway from our investing philosophy. So we don't stock pick, we don't market time, we don't track record invest. And then when the market is down, we stay put. Eventually, we'll rebalance if need be. That's right, Barb. In fact, one of the other things that I point out to clients when they ask, well, Phil, what is your job? A lot of people think, Barb, that our job is to get uh, high returns in the market, you know, to find the best uh, mutual funds or stocks out there or to uh, get out before it drops. Yeah, get out before it drops, get back in at the right time, that kind of stuff. But you know what? The most important thing we can do is we serve as a coach to our investors. In other words, when they get shook, when they see the market drop by 9% like it did in December, our job is to reassure them that they are on track. Those particular returns are really within the parameter of what their acceptable risk and return is. And so like a coach, we need to tell them, stay on course, stay on task, that you're doing well. They need to be encouraged. Otherwise, left to their own devices, they're going to make the wrong decision. They're going to pull out at the wrong time. They're going to put in at the wrong time. We're there to keep them strong and steady on course to get to their goal. That's really our job. I need a coach in, in my training program down at the gym. <laughs> our clients need that coach. They need their financial coach, which we consider ourselves to be, to help them to achieve their financial goals as well. We don't have too many clients that just call us all the time, though. We don't. It's, no. very, it's very seldom when we have uh, downturns in the market that our clients call because we're steadfast in our philosophy and that's we stay the course. I think it's just the newer ones that basically we have to kind of educate about our what our role actually is sure. because they've been so used to the other side of the, the world over there in, in market timing and stock picking and track record investing that they don't know any better, really. Yeah, buying and selling in their portfolios. Exactly. Right. Well, you both have been great coaches today to me and hopefully to uh, those that are listening to this podcast and trying to figure out when that next market crash might happen, what it's going to look like, and really how to prepare for it. Because that's a good thing. If, if you have a plan in place beforehand, you're not worrying about it like many of your clients. You're not calling and, and, and being concerned over the, the next drop. You know that mm -hmm. over the long term, everything is in place and moving the way you want it to. So if you have any questions or want to follow up on your plan and figure out if you have everything in order, 
give Phil and Barbara a call. 815-399-9806. They are Pathfinder Wealth Management in Rockford. And you can find them online as well at pathfinderwealth.com. So Phil and Barbara, I hope we don't see a, a market crash anytime soon. I know the downturns are coming and we'll be prepared, but I appreciate you guys walking me through it and the listeners through it and, and getting us prepared for that next downturn. Yeah, thanks, Ben. No problem, Ben. Go Packers. Go Packers. <laughs> Indeed, go Packers. The, the bragging rights around <laughs> Rockford right now are in Phil and Barbara's office. So that'll do it for us on this episode of the Retirement Pathfinder. I am Ben. For Phil and Barbara, we appreciate you listening. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. We will talk to you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities.